You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to Episode 11 in our Sacrament Series and our second episode on Confirmation. Father Goldaddy is back to compare and contrast the traditional rite and the new rite of Confirmation. We're going to approach this episode in two different ways. We'll look at the teaching and the prayers surrounding the sacrament. These ancillary ceremonies will show us there's a distinct shift towards ecumenism and towards the new theology. For more about the new theology, you can see episodes 16 and 24 in the Crisis series. Then we'll look at the specific characteristics of this sacrament, especially the matter and the form of all the new rites of the sacraments. Confirmation is the one where there is the most serious cause for concern. We'll explain why through the next 40 minutes. If you like these series and want to help us continue to make them, you can help by leaving a small monthly or one-time donation on sspxpodcast.com or by subscribing to this channel on YouTube or by subscribing and leaving a rating for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And thank you for helping us with this apostolate to reach as many people as possible with the beauty and the truth of what it means to be a traditional Catholic. Now let's join Father Goldaddy for episode 11 of the Sacrament Series right now. Welcome back to the SSPX Podcast and our next episode on the sacraments, specifically on confirmation. Hello, Father Goldaddy. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Good Good. to be back. Good. Well, thank you for joining us again on this second look at confirmation. Last week, Father, we looked at uh, the sacrament of confirmation itself. What is what is it? Uh, what are the effects? What are the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Mm-hmm. All this sort of thing. Um, this week, we're going to do a bit of a comparison between the new rite and the old rite. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Maybe with some introductory remarks on the new theology of the sacraments, um, sure. which I'm sure will be done um, in other podcasts as well. Uh, but again, just to set the stage here, um, sure. every sacramental rite was affected in the uh, changes, um, but fundamentally as well, the idea of a sacrament was affected. And um, it wasn't maybe so much as an explicit denial of the classic definition of sacrament as a, you know, a sign instituted by Christ uh, to give grace, but the uh, let's say there's, there's a, a special emphasis on the sign and more of a de-emphasis on the grace, um, such that um, it aligned, uh, let's say, this, this new notion of sacrament with a more of a Protestant theology, uh, whereby they're symbols uh, of a moment or an event in a person's life. Uh, uh, in, in their in their path of faith, uh, let's say, and we can see this uh, as well in confirmation reduction um, of a supernatural element, um, and uh, let's say the more uh, the emphasis upon the the natural uh, element, the, the natural side of things. Also, speaking of the, of the sacraments in general, I I, I think of a. A study that the society made in 2001 on the liturgical reform, and there they pointed out, identified a very important key to understanding uh, the new theology on the sacraments um, or on the liturgy in general, um, in, in what's called the, the Paschal Mystery. And the Paschal Mystery really is a new doctrine of salvation. Um, 
and it's, I think it's very important to have this key in hand. Of course, there are many new uh, doctrinal points in this, um, obviously errors. Um, but among those, those points, you, you have the idea that redemption was not an atonement for sin to appease the wrath of God, um, but rather a way to show God's love. Obviously, it does that. <laughs> and it does it, well, very well, because God chose the best means. And he right. shows his love through that. Um, but it's, it's not the only thing. I mean, it's clear that redemption is because of sin. Uh, that Christ came to earth because of sin, um, to to atone on behalf of man. And but as a consequence of this uh, new doctrine, the liturgical rites, um, well, don't feel the need uh, to express that satisfaction for sin. Um, and this is subtly seen in the the new rite of confirmation as well. Um, okay. Before I get into the uh, compar- uh, comparison of the two rites, maybe just some general observations to be made about the new mm-hmm. rite. Um, and the first one is that it's, it's, it's affected by um, ecumenism, right? Um, there is an, there's, there's evidently an attempt uh, to make the rite itself less objectionable to, to non-Catholics. Um, and so pretty much everything is touched. <laughs> uh, both, both rites have about 400 words. Um, hardly anything is in common um, anymore, right? Even the form is touched if we're talking about wow. words. Of course, it's more than that that's been affected. Um, and that's not, even, uh, that's not even the most affected part of, of the sacrament. Um, and it's and it's a, it's a shame because um, it's so contrary to the purpose of of confirmation. Uh, the purpose of confirmation is to make the Catholic a soldier of Christ. Right, a soldier picks up his arms. Ecumenism effectively um, makes the soldier lay down his arms. Right? Right. It's very contrary to the very to the very essence, the very purpose of the sacraments. Sure. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, in general, uh, there is more of an alignment with the Protestant theology of the sacraments. So a true theology sees the sacraments as uh, efficient causes of grace, or we'll just say causes of grace, uh, to keep it simple. Um, they cause a grace, and each sacrament has a particular uh, grace, sacramental grace, uh, that it effects. Um, the new or the, or the Protestant theology uh, denies that the sacraments cause grace. You know, again, they're manifestations of the faith or they help to renew the faith in that particular moment of the uh, Christian's life. So, um, again, some general observations about the new rite, um, which was uh, first instituted or rolled out um, in 1971, and when it was first um, promulgated in 1971, there was actually an omission of the laying on of hands, which is mm. a big problem, because right. as we saw in the last um, episode, uh, the laying on of hands is part of that proximate matter of the sacraments. Um, of, 
of course, there was this was pointed out, and it was subsequently changed. But um, it gives an indication of the mentality behind the change, uh, for sure. Okay. I guess before we start going through the different ceremonies, or, or maybe you want to answer this towards the end, Father, so forgive me sure. if I'm jumping ahead, but broadly speaking, is the new rite of confirmation, is it still valid? Um, you, you mentioned the you know the laying on of hands being a problem, but that was corrected. That's correct. So as it stands today, um, you know, broadly speaking, is it is it a valid rite? Yeah, and, and maybe this answer, uh, maybe this question is better answered later in the episode with a little bit okay. more information. I'll just say that it's capable of being valid. Um, okay. You know, if, if all the elements are correct. All right, fair and, enough. And, and that's where, you well, yeah, we, we need a, a little bit more groundwork here. Okay, um, fair enough. So, um, yeah, I guess could we contrast the two ceremonies then, Father? Sure, absolutely. Um, and so I'm going to go pretty much... Uh, um, well, not quite line by line, but part by part uh, through these uh, these ceremonies. And then we come to the action the action of the ritual its, itself. Um, overall, the traditional sacrament of confirmation is a standalone ceremony, um, meaning it's 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 done outside the mass. It's, it, it has its own you know ceremony beginning, middle, end. Um, and in the Norris Ordo rite, it's typically done within the Mass itself, right, after the homily. Um, again, it doesn't affect <laughs> essentially what the sacrament sure. is. I think having it within uh, the Mass itself in some ways detracts from confirmation. Um, but uh, okay. th- th- this one general observation. Um, and then you have the preparatory parts. So in traditional confirmation, it begins with a blessing um, and an admonishing of the candidates to avoid sin and reminding them without God's help, they will fail. Um, In fact, I think we have time on this podcast. I'll just read some of that prayer um, for you. Uh, The bishop says, in fact, he starts off uh, with uh, a verse. May the Holy Spirit come down upon you, and may the power of the Most High keep you from sin. So remember, we said that the sacraments are, you know, from the cross. The cross was uh, because of, because of sin. That's clear. The theology is clear here in the traditional sacrament. Uh, Almighty, everlasting God, who has deigned to beget new life in these servants by water and the Holy Spirit, has granted them the remission of all their sins, sent forth from heaven upon them Thy Holy Spirit, the Consoler with his sevenfold gifts. And then it clearly states what those seven gifts are. Um, The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of fortitude, the spirit of knowledge and of piety, fill them with the spirit of the fear of the Lord and seal them with the sign of Christ's cross. Plenteous in mercy unto life everlasting. Um, You know, each bit of that is very important, again, for uh, expressing the true theology. Of, of the sacraments, um, a reminder that they are sinners, they need God's help, um, essentially. Uh, the right. the normal sort of rite, the new order rite, um, starts very differently. It starts with the renewal of the baptismal promises after the homily, again, typically after the homily. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this change resembles more closely uh, the the Lutheran uh, ritual of of confirmation. For Lutherans, for Protestants, confirmation is not a sacrament. It's, again, it's a profession of faith, um, which may explain why the confirmation is placed in the Mass, where normally the, the profession of faith would be. You know, in, in more you know, in the traditional right, uh, the credo comes credo it comes right after the the sermon. Um, and so it's the promises of baptism with the renunciation of Satan. And this would actually be the first time that the Catholic soul would express that renunciation, which was omitted in the new rite of, of baptism. Right. Um, it's not actually a renewal because they never did it in the first place. Right. Right. At least yeah. that portion of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and and then after that comes the the imposition of hands or the or the general imposition of hands. So in the traditional uh, uh, rites, the bishop extends his hands over the confirmants as a group, and then at the mo- moment of anointing, he places his hand on the uh, the head um, while he anoints the forehead. Okay, so you've got that that general imposition of hands, and then the particular one for each candidate. Um, the new order has the bishop and all priests present, in fact, um, extend their hands over the confirmed as a group. It does not have the bishop lay his hand on the head of each candidate at the moment of anointing. Right? So the, the general imposition of, of the hands is enough for the uh, symbol. Um, again, this is probably an ecumenical nod. Uh, to the Lutheran ritual. Uh, Martin Luther claimed that the laying out of hands ended with the death of the apostles. Uh, but it also goes okay. hand in hand with the emphasis that the Norbert Soto rites have upon the, the welcoming of the person into the community of Christians and their role within that community. Um, and, I mean, again, there is that element <laughs> Uh, we spoke about in the last episode uh, how there's a, there's a social component, if you will, uh, to confirmation. Right, you're you're part of the army of Christ. Uh, others in the mystical body benefit uh, from from your your confirmation. Um, but the first, let's say, unity that must be emphasized in the sacraments is that unity with God, right? Right. unity with God through Christ. Uh, there's a community aspect that is secondary. Um, so again, I, I read the prayer, but when the, in the traditional right, when the bishop extends his hands over everyone, uh, the traditional prayer clearly enumerates the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost. Um, the new prayer doesn't clearly mention fear of the Lord, right? So it, it also will mm. list the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Um, but it says, instead of fear of the Lord, it says wonder and awe, um, which isn't the same. Um, wonder and awe would actually be closer to the gift of piety. Um, if, sure. if, if, if we were line up with any other one of them, uh, rather than fear of the Lord. So there's really an omission uh, of that gift of the fear of the Lord uh, in the new ritual. Mm-hmm. Um 
why is that? It's, I mean, who, who knows? I, I think in some Protestant uh, uh, enumerations of the gifts, uh, you have six gifts. Some Protestants will say you can't divide the Spirit. So I, I, I don't know where this comes from, but they substitute for the Lord with wonder and awe. Okay. Uh, well, either way, it's missing. So it's missing. Okay. It's missing. <laughs> Great. Um, and Great. then you have the. Uh, well, I, I jumped then to the new right. Um, in the new right, there are general intercessions, which don't exist in the traditional right. Um, praying for you know uh, uh, different groups uh, of the church so on and so forth. There is an intercession in there, uh, which is clearly an ecumenical request. Uh, It's an intercession for all men of every race and nation, that they may acknowledge the one God as Father, and in the bond of common brotherhood seek his kingdom, which is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray to the Lord. Um, We're praying for the whole uh, brotherhood of uh, mankind united in the Holy Spirit. I suppose m- many of them have no idea that they're united in the, in the Holy Spirit. That goes hand in hand with the whole theology of the, of the new ecumenism. So. Sure. And again, we, we have similar to, to baptism. Some, not all of the emphasis has changed, but some of the emphasis has changed from the person being baptized to a whole community. Let us pray for the whole community. Here again in confirmation, it's not just about the confirmants. They're not the object of all of the prayers and intercessions by the bishop. We're also praying for other people too. It's a community prayer, which community prayer is great, but sure, you know. But prayer has to be how do you say founded on on doctrine, true doctrine. Sure, and that's that's what's missing here. (laughs) Right. No, that makes sense. Um, Okay, and then and then we get to the the concluding. Uh, parts of the um, of, of the of the ritual. I'm going to circle back to the essential part. Um, okay. With the proximate matter and the form, um, right. because it deserves its own uh, attention. Uh, but right. the the ceremonies conclude in the traditional rite. Uh, the bishop's going to call upon Christ's mercy and remind the confirmed of what has just happened to them. And then there is a final blessing in which uh, the bishop says, May the Lord bless you out of Sion, and may you see the good things of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Amen. Um, Why these words? Well, they're taken from Psalm uh, 127, which is a very short psalm. It's only six verses. Um, But this psalm uh, speaks very specifically about the fear of the Lord. Beati omnis quitimet dominum. So blessed are all they that fear the Lord and walk in his ways. Um, the Norvis Ordo concluding prayers, by contrast, don't speak about mercy, but rather love and joy. Um, and again, fear the Lord uh, is, not, is not mentioned. Um, it's interesting, you know, love and joy, these are fruits of, of the Holy Ghost. Um, they're not gifts. Um, we have to use the gifts to bear the fruits. Um, and uh, not that it's wrong to, to make mention of the, of the fruits, but of course the emphasis should be upon the, the gifts at this point. And then the, the confirmant has to, in a sense, prove themselves and bear forth those fruits later. They're not automatic. Sure. Right. So. That makes sense. Okay. So, <laughs> well, um, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to move on to the essentials. Okay. So yeah, so the, the essentials. So those are kind of the, it, we're comparing, contrasting the prayers before, during, after. Now, I guess the the essentials of the sacrament. So the, the yeah. five conditions. Yeah. And, and, and with wisdom, obviously the church surrounds the essential parts of the, of the sacraments with prayers that call down the appropriate uh, graces. Um, and again, ex- are expressing the, the proper belief uh, in, in the sacraments. So these uh, surrounding prayers are, are very important. To know what the intention of the of, of the uh, of the rite is, know what the intention of the bishop is. Um, the, the the rite helps the bishop form his, the the proper intention. Um, so the essentials of the sacraments, um, the essentials, and we we spoke about this last episode as well. But just for the reminder of our listeners, you have to have the right minister, the proper subject, uh, the matter, the form and the proper intention as well. And the form, we'll start with that one, um, is, again, the spoken words, which give the precise purpose of the application of the matter. Right? Why, are, why is the bishop anointing the forehead? Well, this is why. And in the traditional, right, again, it's very clear, you know, so-and-so, so the the subject is addressed by their new confirmation name. Um, I, that is the bishop, right, the proper minister, assign thee, uh, the subject, with the sign of the cross. And I confirm thee with the chrism of salvation in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. So the intention is clear in, in the form. It's to, to sign, to seal. Um, the sentence or the form has only one interpretation. Um, and, and that's important because, again, you, you get a part of that uh, form wrong, it invalidates the form. Um, I remember recently, in, I believe it was in Phoenix, um, there was a pastor who retired um, because it was discovered that he had done, I believe it was thousands of baptisms over the years, uh, with the wrong form of baptism. Uh, so instead mm-hmm. of saying, I baptize you, he said, we baptize you. There's no we. <laughs> There's one minister. Right. Um, so invalidates right. the form, which invalidates the sacrament. Um, so uh, the new form is, is different, um, and it is ambiguous. But again, uh, to be clear, uh, we're not talking about an invalidation. Um, so the person is addressed uh, with their name, and it continues be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this form, the subject is not clearly stated, okay? Obviously, it's the person right in front of them. You know, the circumstances make that that clear. Um, The minister is not clearly stated, right? Be sealed. Um, You know, the bishop could be acting uh, on his own behalf or on someone else's behalf. It's, It's not clear in the formula. Who the, who the minister is, um, and the verb does not help to clarify, right? So the, the passive use of, of, the, of the verb be sealed um, doesn't clarify who is acting. Um, yeah, I was just going to say there's a switch from active voice to passive voice in between yeah, the two rights. It's yeah. interesting. 
which introduces an ambiguity because, right. you know, for example, if you tell someone to be seated, um, the person you're talking to is seating themselves, right? They're not, right. Um, they're not being seated by someone else. <laughs> right. Uh, so not usually, unless it's a really rowdy kid. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so are we saying that they're confirming themselves? I mean, obviously that's not the case, but right. you, you, you see where the, the form becomes, um, a little messy, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, again, does this make the, the form invalid? No. Uh, this is essentially the form used by, uh, well, the Eastern Orthodox, um, and others in the East, which the Catholic church is regarded as a valid, um, uh, form. So sure. It's also uh, much like the Anglican and the Lutheran, uh, form as well. Um, so again, ecumenical nod, um, sure. We would, so we would, we'd be hard pressed to, to make the case for the invalid invalidity of form. Uh, it's interesting. Archbishop Lefebvre, we have in a letter or two of his, a calling into question of the, the validity, but what he's really, uh, calling into question is a, is translation. Um, so there could be a concern about the, how the, the form in Latin is translated into the vernacular. Right. Okay. Um, now there is moving on to the matter, great concern about the matter. Right. All right. Um, we saw that the, the matter is clearly chrism, um, olive oil mixed with balsam. Um, and the law of the church makes this necessary for validity. Um, but the new code of canon law, and in fact, it predates the new code of canon law, um, but it's clearly stated in the new code of canon law that in the administering of the sacraments in which holy oils must be used, and I'm quoting directly, the minister must use oils pressed from olives or other plants. Um, this is a novelty or other plants. Um, it's, it's always been uh, olive oil. and. How is it that the church can declare valid a matter that she's always rejected? Um, it, hmm. You know, at, at best we could say that it's it's doubtful, and therefore a mortal sin or a sacrilege to administer a doubtful matter. Um, but it's, it, it seems to be more than just doubtful. Um, you know, a typical. Uh, moral theology book uh, you know, with, with proper doctrine, you know, says that not only is the olive oil a matter of ecclesiastical precept, uh, commandment, but it's also required for the validity of the sacrament. So that's how we have to uh, treat anything else other than olive oil. Um, now, this came into being in 1970. There was a decree of the Congregation of Rites, authorizing the, the use of vegetable oils. Um, and of course, the question is why? Um, Pope Paul VI at the time uh, said that there was a request of numerous bishops um, because it was difficult to obtain in some parts of the wor world olive oil, um, which is uh, strange to me because we're living we're in an age where, you know, exports and foreign um, materials are easier to get. 
Um, It doesn't seem like it's, I don't know. It's, it's fairly common everywhere. I mean, every grocery store, pretty much everywhere in the world has olive oil. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and again, I mean, confirmation is as important and we can say, uh, necessary is as it is, is not a necessity of means, right? In the sense that baptism is where it would be absolutely necessary that the, the matter be available to everyone everywhere in the world. Um, it's not, there's not the same necessity of, of, of confirmation. Regardless, I mean, the, the, the practical reasons which are given uh, don't seem to, um, to justify it. Well, they definitely don't justify it. So. Um, I, I, I don't know if, you know, if there's a looking back on antiquity um, to say that, well, it wasn't always olive oil. Um, the, uh, and, and certainly in, in, in certain books, in certain writings, you know, the word oil would probably stand alone without qualification of what kind it was. But it was always understood that oil, properly speaking, used, you know, for liturgical purpose, used for sacramental purposes, was olive oil. Um, sure. So. Okay. Um, again, I mentioned last uh, episode that the sl- uh, slap upon the cheek is not part of the, the matter of, of the sacrament. Um, but I wanted to point out that in the new rite, it's been omitted as, as well. Again, an ecumenical spirit would explain this omission. Um, so there you have it, the, the essentials, the matter, the form that make up uh, the, the, the symbol, uh, there is obviously area for concern, especially as it comes to the, uh, uh, the, the matter of the, of the sacraments. Um, and then as far as the form, the translation of the form, um, and, and so we can understand if parishioners have concerns um, about their new order co- confirmation. Obviously, the main justification for us is the doubtfulness of of the matter. Um, The fact that oil from olives and no other plant has been used for the whole history of the church um, as a remote matter of the sacraments, uh, and even the anointings in the Old Law, the Old Testament, were done with olive oil, um, it strongly suggests that the institution of the sacrament was with olive oil by our Lord. Again, right. our Lord didn't administer the sacrament, but he instituted um, He instituted by way of a promise uh, with, right. with, certain, with certain details. And I, and I think that that question should be addressed, you know, what, what do we say to those who want to approach us with doubts about their um, normal sort of confirmation? Um, well... <laughs> It's, it's tricky because usually, I mean, usually they don't remember all the details of, of their confirmation. Um, you know, that was not a question on their mind as to what was the oil being used uh, by the bishop sure. at, at the time. Um, and so, you know, generally speaking, we don't tell people, okay, uh, you have to be reconfirmed. Or on the opposite extreme, no, your, your, your confirmation is, is definitely valid. I mean, if they have a genuine concern, because maybe the bishop, or in many cases, actually their parish priest, because many of them were confirmed by a delegated priest, um, 
if there are certain circumstances, you know, a, a, a liberal theology, um, et cetera, or a sort of creativity on the part of the bishop or, or priest, um, that would be enough for them to approach us for uh, conditional reconfirmation or for uh, okay. yeah, conditional reconfirmation. Okay, so this would be a conditional thing, uh, which is which is similar similar to basically they they go through the whole ceremony, um, and I'm familiar with this because I had a conditional confirmation as well. Oh, um, I was confirmed when I was a baby um, by by the priest. Um, but anyway, you get a little different looking card, and the bishop just says a I don't remember the exact words, but it's a I conditionally confirm you. Like that's in the formula itself. Yes, so yes. The, the condition needs to be uh, ex, ex, expressly stated, indeed. Okay. Yeah. Because confirmation is not one of those sacraments you can receive more than once, so they can't, you can't redo, you can't do the sacrament twice. It's just not possible. Yeah, exactly. It's simply to, it's to preserve the reverence for the sacredness of the sacrament. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if people are concerned about this, people who are listening and, and don't know or whatever, it's just... You know, approach approach your local SSPX priest and just chat with them about it, and they can they can guide you in the right direction. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, okay. I I mentioned before too that among the essentials of the sacraments are the intention of the minister. Um, sure. It's intention is not something that we can uh, that we can read, right? It's it's in the mind. It's invisible to us. Um, so usually you assume that the minister has the right intention if they follow the, the ritual, right? But again, if they are known to get creative, you know, what truly is their intention? There's, there's, there's doubt about that. Um, actually, Archbishop Lefebvre uh, pointed out an example of wrong intention that would invalidate uh, the confirmation. So again, in one of his letters, he mentions that a, a certain... Monsignor Bontemps uh, affirmed in his Semen Religieuse uh, that confirmation does not give the Holy Ghost, but makes one become aware of having received the Holy Ghost and baptism. Right? He says, this is clearly a, a wrong intention. <laughs> these these sure. confirmations are not valid. So, so if, if a bishop has made some of these public statements akin to this, and then he does confirmation. There's reason enough to doubt oh, yeah. his intention. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, uh, I mean, the, the the new order right is already you know weak enough in its ignoring of sin, uh, the struggle for salvation, and and, and, and judgments. Uh, when you see these irregularities, um, that's, that gives positive doubt, um, and 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 sure. allows one to approach. Uh, for, for a conditional confirmation, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it is interesting. I, I just, it keeps coming back to that community aspect, which is just so striking. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, and, and we've gone through three sacraments so far uh, here, Father, but it seems like that's kind of the theme for the sacraments that, we are, that we're seeing moving forward. Yeah, again, it's, and it's an emphasis, emphasis upon the, the natural side of things rather than the supernatural uh, goods. Um, uh, uh, supernatural effects of the sacrament. So, very interesting. Uh, maybe, maybe just to wrap up. Sure. Um, we could, you know, certainly say that traditional confirmation 
seals the candidate and strengthens each to be an active member, a struggling member of the church militant, whereby, in contrast, the New Order right suggests a passive acceptance of God's gifts of love, of joy, and again is more in line with Protestant theology. Um, And it also, um, let's say, lends itself to a new idea of apostolate. Um, In the last episode, uh, I mentioned that the apostolate, that is to say the carrying on of the work of the apostles, the apostolic action, um, is part of the the work of of the confirmant. And uh, it was very clear from the uh, from our Lord, you know, what, what that was. And he says in the Acts, well, it's in, in the Acts of the Apostles, it says, you shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the utmost parts of the earth. Right? So they're going to be witnesses to, to Christ. And, you know, history has shown the extent of what witness means. In fact, the word martyr uh, means witness, so it's even to the extent of of, of being a, a martyr for for Christ, uh, you know, to spread the kingdom of Christ, uh, giving priority to the supernatural methods, right? Uh, so through preaching, through catechism, through Catholic schools, the Holy Mass, right, the sacramental life as as well, of course. Um, these come first be, before the material methods, um, whereas in the Again, in the, in, the, in, the, in the new theology, which gives this preeminence to uh, the, the natural goods, um, uh, we've got this, uh, what would you call it, this, 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 this flipping of priorities of, of the natural over the supernatural. I mean, for example, I remember uh, someone approached me about their confirmation. Um, They said they had never learned about the gifts of the Holy Ghost in their catechism classes, preparing them for confirmation. In fact, all they remember doing was being given a basket to go out and to, I don't know what they had to do. It was some corporal work of mercy. (laughs) Uh, But that was their preparation for confirmation, which again goes hand in hand with that that new notion of apostolate. Their, Their purpose is to do social justice, essentially. So. Right, right. It's kind of missing the point. Again, corporal works of mercy, great, but in their proper context. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, wow. well, that, that well, Father, thank you. Up. No, thank you so much for for going through these with us, um, and thank you for the time it took you to you know kind of prepare this. I know you're probably not super up to date on the new rite of of confirmation. No. At least unless you have a hidden life somewhere. But. No, this is a special study. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for taking the time to, to dig into it with us um, and to give us this explanation. It's been Thank great. you so much, Andrew. All right, thank you. Take care.